Alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation, creation, or combination. Beyond alchemy is more than that. It's about discovery. It's about the experience. It is about the order and chaos that brought us here. Beyond Alchemy is Making Sense's podcast in which greater speakers tell extraordinary stories of the technology world. This podcast goes from the conception of the idea to the exit. In each stage of this journey, we have the right person to answer the questions you may be asking yourself. There is no software without experience, and we build software people love with unique stories behind. Are you ready to bring your business to the next level? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond Alchemy. This is your host, Mariana Hurich, and today we're going to be talking about exit planning. In order to do that, we have Julie Keys as our guest. She's a certified exit planning advisor, the founder of Key Strategies LLC in Minneapolis, specializing in exit and transition consulting. Julie has been an entrepreneur most of her life, and as a founder and operator of several companies, she understands the responsibilities of ownership and the struggle that that come with the role of being an owner. Julie recently released the second edition of Poise for Exit, a book which helps owners of privately held companies navigate their process of business exit. Her weekly podcast, also called Poise for Exit, provides content related to business owners and advisors alike. She works with business owners who seek to understand and maximize their exit and critical transition options. She's actively involved with the Exit Planning Institute as a faculty member, a member of its leadership council, and recipient of EPI's Thought Leader of the Year in 2017 and 2022. On a personal note, Julie and her husband, Sean, have eight children and 10 grandchildren, spending as much time with them as she can. Without further ado, Julie, welcome to the episode. Mariano, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is going to be great. So for the audience, uh, Julie and I met probably a year and a half ago on one of my trips to Minneapolis. Uh, we're both part of an organization called ACG. Uh, so we got in contact, we have our first conversation, and then I think we had a good good bonding and we never stopped talking since then. That's right. So uh, Julie, we just had a very detailed introduction about yourself, but uh, is there anything else that you would like to mention to your audience about yourself or your business? Well, for the business owners out there who are listening and you're thinking about possibly exploring the transition options and what exit planning might look like for you in the future. I would just say, you know, whether you work with someone like me or, or someone else who does work like I do, I think it's really important to have someone quarterback the process for you and help you get through it. Uh, whether you're a single owner or you have multiple owners, um, the process is complicated and time consuming. So it's important to have help. Good. I'm, I'm for sure going to going to be getting into the details of that bar. Before we go there, uh, let me ask you, Julie, you know, why do you get into exit planning? What about exit planning interests you the most? That's a good question. And um, it's kind of funny that you asked that question, because that's one of the same questions <laughs> I ask of all my podcast guests. I think when you were on my show, I asked you the same question. Yeah, yes, you um, did. And you know what? It's really important, because if we're going to be getting into a field where 
we're going to excel and do a good job and make an impact, a positive impact, then we better darn well like it. And, and so what drove me to become an exit planner, I think, is uh, when I went through my own exit, um, how many years ago now? 15 years ago? It, it wasn't the best. And 15 years ago, I had never heard of, of an exit planning advisor. I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't know that there were people out there that actually provided that kind of service. I really relied on my investment banker to guide me and work with me and, and help me to position the company in the best possible way. But, you know, they're transaction people. They're really not relationship people so much. And they're, they're busy with a lot of other clients. And so I wasn't able to get that kind of mentorship that I probably needed in order to have the best outcome. So it was okay. But now that I know what I know, I think that I could have really done a much better job of having a better exit for myself Better, better outcome. And so the, with the work that I do, I'm just doing the best I can to try to prevent other companies from making the same mistake, if you will. Not really a mistake, but you know, we don't want to leave chips on the table. Nobody wants to do that. And there are really good ways to be able to structure a successful transition where everybody wins and it's optimized. Good. And you know, that, that's usually how great business, you know, product or services starts when, you know, the, the founder goes through a struggle and then tries to, you know, help people to navigate the situation differently. So that's, that's great, Julie. And from, from your perspective, and, and we're going we're gonna to talk, I think, a lot of things, but let's try to break it down. Uh, from your perspective, and on a high level, what are the key components that a good exit strategy must have? Well, I think that the first thing that business owners really need to hone in on is making sure they have a good, strong team of advisors. There's never one advisor who ever has all the answers, but collectively, I think that we can get pretty close. And so what does that look like? Well, you need to have good legal counsel and not just a business attorney, but a good estate and tax attorney, because you're going to have a liquidity event at some point and pre-planning is super important. Um, we don't want to wait until after the liquidity event, start doing the planning with, with your estate folks and with your financial planner, all of that has to happen well in advance. In fact, the earlier you start planning, the more options you'll have to be able to maximize a successful outcome. And so you've got your lawyers, you have your accountant, of course, your accounting firm that is hopefully more of an advisor for you than a tax preparer. Your financial advisor, like I said, financial planning firm, um, whoever manages your wealth. And this would not be the firm that actually handles your 401k. Usually it's not for your company. It's usually someone who really knows you, knows your family, knows your lifestyle, knows your business, okay, and can put it all together for you and help you figure out, okay, when's the best time for me to make this transition and 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 how best can I maintain my lifestyle? And so those are the key people, the most important people. And then you have other advisors like your M&A advisor, um, whether it's an investment banker or a business broker, depending on the size of your company. If you're a family business, you might need family business advisory. Um, so my advice would be, aside from an exit planner like me, those would be the people that would be on the team. And I think that that's where a business owner really needs to start. And then another question that a lot of business owners just don't ask themselves is, what do I want to do next? 
if I'm going to transition from my business, I'm not done. My life still goes on. What am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do with the skills that I've developed, the people that I know, um, the expertise that I have, right? I know how to run and operate and, 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 and grow businesses. And so do I want to do that again? Do I want to stay involved in the company? Um, where do I see myself? What do I want to do? And those are super important questions to ask as early and often as possible, because it really does take time to figure that out. Yeah, I guess it's, it must be a very, very emotional process, for, especially for the owner, right? Because it's not that transactional. You're about to get rid, I'm doing quoting marks here, you're about to get rid of something that you put a lot of time and effort on right, right now, and it's probably taking most of your daytime, right? So I, I guess that it must be very emotional at some point and and I want to get I want to get there a little bit more because we we experienced some similar characteristics uh, while we get on board on companies that recently got acquired but before before we get into that uh, Julie you're t you were talking about advisors right and how important it is to get you know surrounded by good people that can advise you from different perspectives so you are an exit planning advisor so what are from your perspective the characteristics that makes a good exit planner? Hmm. That's a good question. I think that uh, an exit planner needs to have um, a great deal of empathy. So to your point about this being an emotional decision, it really is. Even if we don't identify it as an emotional decision up front, uh, the longer you go through this process, the more you'll, you'll feel feelings that maybe you hadn't thought you were going to feel. I mean, I, I could, you know, give you an example of how I felt when I got that call. One of the most important calls, right? I got several calls, but there was one in particular that made my heart race. And, and so I think that we need to have empathy. We need to have expertise. We need to understand business transition options. Um, we need to understand leadership development, making sure that we have the right people in the right seats, because it isn't just about making sure that the owner him or herself, or, or collectively exit well, well, we definitely want that to happen. But we also want to make sure that the business is transition ready, right? If it's not transferable, for whatever reason, and there are a lot of reasons, which we may or may not get into today, but um, that, that, that can really derail a transition. And, and so the, the two main distinctions of exit planning are owner readiness and business readiness. And an exit planner needs to understand both they need to be able to play on both sides of those because they're equally important. Um, and just be just be a good advisor and not pretend that you have all the answers because you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Julie, I know that you are a certified exit plan advisor, right? And so for, for how long have you been certified? I got certified in 2015. And so I'm in my eighth year now which doesn't sound like a very long time, but for our industry, uh, you could consider me kind of um, a trailblazer. There weren't very many, <laughs> there weren't very many people certified as exit planners um, in 2015. And uh, so here we are. And, and I mean, eight years is a lot, at least for my age, there's a lot. Uh, so how, how has your practice changed since you earned that, that certification? I mean, how did it improve your services? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, prior to, so after the sale of my companies, 
I became a business consultant. I really wanted to help other owners with growth and improvement strategy and implementation. And then a few years later, I added on the exit planning component because I was acquiring clients who really needed the help with the planning process. And and I didn't know enough about it myself. So I needed to get certified to do that. And when I did, um, everything changed. And, and the two have been, you know, great uh, complementary services for each other. Because like I said before, you got the owner readiness distinction, then you've got the business readiness distinction. And if you don't understand strategic planning and implementation and leadership development and right people, right seats, all of that terminology when it comes to scaling a business, you don't know how to actually technically do that, then you can't be an effective exit planner. Or you can just focus on the owner readiness side, but you still need to have somebody come in and help on the business side. And I'd already been doing that work. And so that uh, just kind of put my business on steroids, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, and because I have such a passion for helping business owners have the best possible outcome and, and um, you know, with the different roles I've had in leadership capacity for, you know, the Eggs Planning Institute and other organizations, I think that has helped me a lot in building my practice and, and building my brand. But, um, yeah, I think it's all about impact. And, you know, when you when you do the best job that you can for every single client, that always comes back. And uh, so that's, that's my philosophy. I like how you're structuring the conversation when you're basically dividing the situation in two different sides. You're talking about owner readiness and then business readiness. Let's focus a little bit into the owner readiness. So I guess that, that that's a very broad term. Um, and I guess that it includes uh, not just emotions, but also expectations in terms of how much I'm going to get for my business. I mean, how long the process will take? Uh, well, how much time do I need to put into this? Can you can you walk us through a little bit about, you know, how do you assess and how owner readiness look like? Really good question. Yes. Uh, there's a lot to it, just as you said. So unpacking owner readiness, what does that look like? Well, there's the tangible side and then the intangible side. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about the intangible side already, where we're referring to life planning. Like, what's my next act? What am I going to do with my time? And how am I going to use my expertise and spend, you know, the rest of my life? Um, But then on the tactical side, on the tangible side of owner readiness, we have some of the people that I had mentioned before that need to be on the advisory team, like the estate planning attorney. I want to make sure that my clients are fully prepared with a comprehensive estate plan, you know, with the trust that they need, the, you know, healthcare directives, the powers of attorney, all of the things that are included in in the estate plan and the tax plan, right? And have that done well in advance. Uh, when we know what the business is worth, which is also part of owner readiness, like I need to know what my asset's worth, right? Or assets if you're selling more than one or your particular percentage of ownership if you have partners. Um, we need to know all of that ahead of time because we need to know where we're going and we can't know where we're going until we know where we're at, at today. And so for many owners, that liquidity event is really part of how they're going to maintain their lifestyle going into the future. Not for everybody. You know, some people have been really good at investing and diversifying their investments. But but for many owners, you know, they've they've put a lot of time and effort and money into this particular asset. And so Selling it for top dollar is super important, and we need to know what's worth today. So valuation, estate planning, tax planning, financial planning 
um, how are we going to maintain our lifestyle after the exit? And then what does exit actually look like? Do we want it to be full? Do we want it to be partial? Um, and then who's involved in owner readiness? Like I said before, the financial planner, um, the accounting firm, or whoever's doing the valuation. Usually it's, a, it's another party. It's not necessarily the company's accounting firm that does the valuation, especially if it has to be a full-blown valuation for you know, buy-sell agreement purposes. And that's another thing. Is the, is the buy-sell agreement that we have in place or shareholder agreement that we have in place accurate, like updated? And does it, does it you know, outline all of the information that it needs to, right? Do we spell out all the details in case something happens? Um, there's a, a distinction in exit planning too called the five Ds. I don't know if we ever talked about that, but the, the odds of a business suffering from at least one of the five Ds over the course of its business lifetime are pretty high, especially if the business has been around for a long time. And those would be divorce, disagreement, say for instance, between partners, uh, disability where an owner or key stakeholder gets really sick um, or can't work at all, and uh, disaster, okay? And dis well, disability when they're sick, disaster can take a lot of forms. There are some other firms use a different word than disaster, but I use disaster because it kind of covers not just distress, okay, financial distress, but it also covers like a cyber attack, a pandemic, um, a natural disaster, things that could really derail a business if they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so part of the exit planning process for the owner is to do whatever we can to, to mitigate the risk in all of those categories for the owner so that they can sleep at night and have, like I said, the best outcome. Interesting. I have, I have so many questions, which... For sure, for time. For, I, ram for time I ramble saying, too much. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, this is this is great because you touch many many key points, mm -hmm. and and I'm sure the audience is wondering, or they have also many questions because you know for for time purposes we're not going to be able to go through all of them. But sure. again, yeah. we're going to leave Julie's contact on on the description of the episode so you can reach her out, and then you also remember you have her uh, podcast and her book available, so you can you know keep consuming that material. Julie, before we get into the business readiness portion, uh, we're gonna do a little public service announcement and we will be right back. Making sense bridges the gap between impossible and possible with great code and design. In Making Sense, we build software people love. And we're back. So, so Julie, before the uh, this little break, um, we were talking about the owner readiness in the exit planning and then the uh, business readiness. So let's talk a little bit more about what business ready should look like. Yeah, I'm glad that we're going to be talking about that because uh, truly I think that, well, I don't think, I know because of some data that's come out recently with a couple of different surveys of entrepreneurs across the United States anyway. Um, and what their concerns are about exit planning. And many of them have cited how they're concerned about growing enterprise value. And, and that's, you know, with two different organizations that have done these surveys in the last less than six months, um, that has come out to be a big concern. And, and so what does that mean? Well, what that means is they know that they need to plan for their transition, but they also know that the enterprise value isn't where it needs to be. And, and what can they do to grow the value? Well, I have to say that I've never met one business owner, client, okay? Just clients, that's 
not everybody out there, obviously, but anybody who's ever hired me to be their exit plan or business consultant. I've never had one that's had a good solid strategic plan. They'll tell me that they have one, but it isn't necessarily something that they've worked for a long time. So it's in dire need of updating. And so I think that where all of that starts when we talk about business readiness is to really put together a good, solid strategic plan with a, you know, starting with a SWOT analysis, getting the leadership team involved, figuring out how we want to grow, in what ways we want to grow, what are our resources, what are our obstacles, who's going to be involved, do we want to acquire, do we want to work with making sense, right? Yeah. I mean, a perfect, perfect example for, you know, growing, right? Uh, growing in a way that that, um, I mean, that's where the, the world is heading in that direction with artificial intelligence. So working with companies like yours that have the technology and the innovation to do the, uh, the analysis and the assessment to figure out, okay, well, what are the best options for your industry and how can we set you apart? Um, those are the conversations and not just conversations, but actual plans that I help my clients make. So making not only growth plans, but also improvement and, and making sure that the key people are um, in the right seats. And, you know, uh, an example of that would be, um, and this happens so often, it, it's, it's surprising to me, but sales teams that are underperforming uh, is super common. And for whatever reason, these underperforming salespeople are still on the team, still collecting a paycheck. And, and you know, you, you take 15 or 20 of, of the people in your sales, sales force and you probably have 5 to 10% of them that do 80 or 90% of the sales. So why are we retaining all these other people who are underperforming? And are they underperforming because we haven't given them enough tools and resources and training? Or are they underperforming just because we made bad hires? So, so I think if we were going to grab at some low-hanging fruit um, in a place where business owners tend to not spend a lot of time, maybe they, they just don't have the time, maybe their sales manager, relying on their sales manager who isn't you know, maybe doing a lackluster job, I don't know. But um, So that, that's an area that could definitely be uh, worked on. That's one that I find very often. That and marketing um, tend to be kind of ad hoc. They don't necessarily support each other. Marketing should be supporting sales. And that's not always happening. And so if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're finding that um, some of these comments are ringing true for you, then maybe that's where you need to start when you're, when you're thinking about growing the value of your business. So strategic planning and implementation, accountability, making sure we have the right people in the right seats and, and meeting on a regular basis to go over these, the leadership goals and objectives in each department, um, making sure that all the leadership is meeting on a regular basis too, and that, that the meetings that we are having are super effective, productive, start on time, end on time. Um, you'd be amazed how many people have meetings that are unproductive or lacking in productivity. They start late, they end late, they go down a rabbit hole and they didn't really get a whole lot done. So um, working with somebody like me will really help you to dial that in and maximize your time because we can't make any more time, right? We can always earn more money, but we can't make more time. Once it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Well, that's th- th- those concepts are very interesting. And yeah, we, we see that trend, uh, as you mentioned, and I think the the strategic planning is, is, is very important. And and let, let me ask you this, Julie. So how, how often do you see 
that or, or who should be responsible for this? Because when, when you're doing a when you're exiting a company and someone is acquiring a company, there is a lot there are a lot of moving pieces, right? Um, you have the existing, you know, workforce that know the business that they've been doing things for a very long time and you know the knowledge is there. And someone needs to make sure that those people feel comfortable and they're gonna stick with you for as long as you need them so they so you can stabilize, you know, the business you just acquire. So how often do you see that that's not part of the planning or someone someone is like paying attention to that portion because we see that very often in companies that we we are onboarded to again um, leverage technology for them um, so what, what is your perspective on that yeah I, I I guess I would agree that 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 is definitely a big obstacle and and I think unfortunately when mergers and acquisitions occur um, the primary um, criteria that are examined are the financials right does it, do the numbers make sense? And that's the that's the pri- that's the main priority. But but what about the culture? Um, you know, what about the customer list? What about the targets? What about the geographic areas? Like, what about all of those things? And you're right. Um, in fact, I'm in the process right now with two clients who both have recently acquired companies. And so, in one instance, it was the I, I was working with the seller. The seller sold their business to a competitor. The competitor bought the company and then kept me on to help with the integration. And now they're in the process of acquiring another company. I'm not I'm not sure that they're ready yet to do that, um, but we've worked the last year and a half to really bring the teams together. And I'll tell you, unfortunately, there were a couple of people that were super key players in the former company with the founders um, that we had to let go. They just uh, they just didn't they did not want the change. They they did not believe in the vision of how the new owners wanted to grow. And, you know, some of those some of those situations, I think, can be circumvented if, if the right work is done up front and really examining who those people are that are going to be coming together and working as a team. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. That's yeah, that's a very interesting and also I think a tricky topic. It is uh, totally. But but no, yeah, you definitely answered my question, Julie. Um, but now let, let's talk about the future a little bit. Let's let's talk about you know what are the trends that you see for exit planning in the next five years? Let's say. Okay, back up one second. I just thought of something. So so if you are uh, whoever's out there listening, um, maybe you just acquired or you plan to acquire. If you're planning to do that, there's one thing that I've seen happen too that can really trip the process up and make it take longer, and that is not having people from the outside, advisors from the outside, consultants, help with the integration process. And so what owners many times do to save the money is they just assign these integration tasks to the current staff and then the company that's coming in, right, to merge with them or they're acquired by. And okay, so I know you have your regular day job, right? But here's all this other stuff that I need you to do in order to you know bring these two companies together and make it work well. And that can really derail things big time. And, and it tends to take longer <laughs> that way than if you actually brought somebody in to do it professionally. So I just wanted to mention that. Well, now um, let, let's talk about the future. Uh, I was right. I was asking, you know, how what, what trends do you see in the next, I guess, five years in, in terms of exit planning? Yeah, I don't know about five years, but I would say in the next couple of years, um, you know, like I said before, I think that a lot of uh, businesses really need to focus on growing the value of their enterprise 
in, in whatever way that looks and having people from the outside help them with strategy and implementation. And so growing the value of the business, number one. Um, and the reason why I say that is because many of the businesses that are going to transition, let's face it, are still owned by baby boomers. And there's some resistance on the part of, of these owners still to get the process started. And some of it isn't their fault, right? Some of it is just, they just have advisors that don't understand the process and haven't actually been proactive in getting the process going with them. You know, they really, we really do need to have that kind of guidance. We can't expect these business owners to DIY because it's not a DIY project. And so it's really up to the advisors to insist that we get the process started in some way. So there's that. And then there's the resistance on the owner's part of what am I going to do next? You know, I don't know if I can give this thing up. I founded it. I started it in my garage and now I've built this multi-million dollar company and I don't know what I'll do with myself once I've sold it. And, and so those are some of the reasons why some of this hasn't happened. And so what the result of that is then, I think, and I'm not the only one who thinks this, is that there'll be a lot of businesses that'll be forced to transition because the owner's too old or has you know, become sick um, or whatever. And so they have to do something, right? There's a triggering event and it's not a pleasant one. And what happens then is that we have this, this huge supply of businesses that, that could be for sale with not as many buyers. And then what happens then? Uh, prices are driven down on the value. And so that's not every industry, obviously. It's not, you know, every size of business. I'm talking probably more about lower middle market than I am middle market, but I think that it could happen in middle market too. And so we just have to be aware of that and not be one of those. So that, that, that's an interesting point. And we've, we've been seeing some some trends uh, lately on the mid market in terms of the pace that we used to have of M&A and you know how it's been going down uh, lately. It could be mostly because of speculation, but so what's what's your perspective on that? Do you think that is, so the slowdown that we're seeing right now, it's because of speculation and, and they have the capital and needs to be deployed at some point and they are just waiting for these valuations to go down? Or do you feel like they, they run out of capital, which I don't think is the case? I don't think that's the case either. I, I, I think that it's, uh... I think it's fear. Um, you know, a lot of businesses are really struggling with supply chain issues and workforce issues everywhere. And so if they don't feel like they're really ready, like if the business isn't really ready, which we talked about, then maybe they're just going to hang on a little longer to try to bring in those key people that they're missing, that CFO or that COO or CMO. So there's that. The price of money is is definitely a deterrent for for some acquisitions and so i think honestly it's a combination good okay yeah we we, we see the same trend and for your audience we are recording this uh this is january 5th <laughs> just for your reference <laughs> sure there you go uh, so okay well uh, julie uh it's been it's been fantastic having you here we had a lot of insight and again i, I guess our audience have a lot of questions and they have all your contact information but uh, would you like to give some you know, final thoughts or advice for our audience before we finish the episode yeah definitely um i think that uh focusing on a strong culture and growing the culture of your business is one of the most important things that you can do regardless of your stage in the game. 
And I've heard that time and again, especially the last year, from anybody in the M&A world, that culture really trumps strategy, okay? You gotta have strategy, right? But, but you gotta have a really good, strong culture. Why? Well, because we need really good people to do the work. And when people are happy and they're, they're doing well in the company and they like their job, they tend to be more productive and they stay. And we don't have the workforce issues. So, and just because it's the right thing to do. Build a strong culture and it makes everybody happy and you can sleep better at night. So work on culture, retain the best and brightest on your team, eliminate waste. So when you've got underperformance, uh, underperformers, I should say, that are consistently underperforming, then do a fair assessment, get other leadership involved in doing those assessments, um, but just make a decision. You know, business owners have a hard time letting go but that it, it doesn't help the person who's underperforming any more than it helps you or your company because all you're doing is giving them permission to underperform. And then that particular behavior is permeates the rest of the team. And so the rest of the team is like, well, if it's okay for him or her to just, you know, do a half-assed job, then, um, then I guess it's okay for me, right? Well, no, that's not how we operate. That's not our philosophy. That's not our core values. So, so it would be that. And then I think for the owners out there, who are really thinking about a transition in the next few years, what does that look like? Does it, does it need to be all or nothing? Maybe not. A lot of owners think that it has to be all or nothing, right? And it doesn't. There are many times that a partial exit and taking some chips off the table makes a lot of sense. And so talk to your advisors and find out what your options are um, and, and don't make a decision right away. Explore what they are and figure out what you really wanna do with your next act. Well, Julie, thank you so much. I had a great time recording this. I think we got a lot of useful information and insights. And again, I'm, I'll be repeating this throughout all the episode, but uh, for the audience, we're going to leave all the contact information for Julie so you, so you can uh, reach her out. And, and yeah, thank you so much, Julie. It's been a pleasure. You're so welcome. It was great. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Mariano. So for the audience... On our next and last episode of the series, we're going to have Lindsay Wendler walking us through the M&A process. She's a very well-known woman in the M&A space, and it's going to help us understand better what it takes to get an exit from your company. Please make sure that you follow us on all our social networks, and remember that you can listen beyond Alchemy on all the available platforms. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.